0: today and I got a flash of inspiration. So I hope that flash of inspiration is still a flash of inspiration at the moment. And I sat trying to figure a few things out. Here's what I want to speak on. I've just jotted down scriptures, a couple of thoughts and I want to bring it to you tonight and I entitled it, Burning Tempting and the Graves of Lust. Burning tempting, and the graves of lust. You may say, well, there you are. That's a cheerful message for us to hear on the Tuesday night Bible study. Burning, tempting, and the graves of lust. We'll have uh, two readings. One verse, first of all, in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Just one wee verse, and you could even mark it because we might probably, God willing, turn back to it as well. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And just let's read one verse for the moment, verse twenty two. And that Kabirah and that Masa and that Kibroth Hatava, ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Keep that marked and turn to Numbers, please, chapter eleven. Numbers chapter 11, beginning to read it verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Taborah because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Keep your Bible open there, for we're going to read on uh, in a few moments down that chapter. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word. It's a lamp. Unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Thank you for your word that convinces us. Compels us. Thank you for your word that also convicts us. We thank you Lord that you're still living. You're alive. And Father we thank you that you're still sovereign. And we thank you Lord that you love your people. We thank you Lord you're here with us. And we thank you, Lord, that you will glorify your own name in spite of us. Father, use us for your honor. May the Lord Jesus be exalted. And may he be glorified in this place, among this congregation. We ask it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. You'd think to hear many preachers today that God is just, love, 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 love. He's almost like some sort of flower power, long bearded Santa Claus hippie sitting in the clouds and he pours out love of flowers and petals upon us and upon the sinner, upon everyone. And he's not a God of wrath. and He's not a God of judgment or of fire. But the Bible tells us different. The Bible says different. And what we must remember that in Deuteronomy chapter four and verse twenty-four, and also in Hebrews chapter twelve and verse twenty-nine, so that's Old Testament and New Testament. It says our God is present tense, New Testament, a consuming fire. Our God is A consuming fire. In other words, the nature of God has never changed. God is love. But love is not all that God is. An attribute of God is love. He loves his people with an everlasting love. But that's not all whom God is. God is angry. God has wrath. He is love, but he has wrath. He does not, in fact I can use the word wish, to display that wrath. But rather when men reject his word, when men reject his son, then that wrath still hangs over that sinner. But God is love and those whom he has loved from before the foundation of the world, that love will never be lifted, will never be removed, will never be taken from us. It does not mean to say God does not, Chasten, because if the Lord does not chasten you, the scripture says, then you are bastards. Then you are not legitimate sons and daughters of God. So in the chastening of the Lord, rejoice. When God chastens you and chastens you sore, rejoice. I would be more concerned as a pastor trying to minister if God's uh, people or those who profess Christ were never, ever, ever worried about their lifestyle. A man and a woman who are concerned about their lifestyle, about their speech, who are concerned or even convicted about the things they do or say, the places they go, how they act or react, if they're concerned then, and they say, come to me and say, I have failed, I have fallen, because this, that, or the other, and it's torn me apart then you know what? I can rejoice in that. But the man and the woman who claim Christ but never ever once think of their ways, nor their lies, nor their deceit, nor their cunning, who think that it's okay because hyper-grace says we can do as we want, live as we like, and there's no repercussion. Listen, brothers and sisters, our God is a just God. And God will chasten his own and God will pour out his wrath upon the unconverted and the ungodly. We need to keep a balance where we are not here, as I said, as a hippie style, liberal, uh, leftist, um, you know, love, love, love Christian. We are to love people and God loves us. But the idea that we can live how we like, and it's under the blood, and listen, it is under the blood. Or the idea that we can live how we like, and God will always forgive us, and listen, he will always forgive you. But the idea that you can live in, and listen, and catch me right here, an open course of sin, willful, habitual, continual sinning before God, and it's okay with God, then we are desperately, desperately wrong. You trample the blood of Christ underfoot foot when a man or a woman thinks they can live how they like. Now, I don't mean this to be all heavy on you, okay? Because you're believers, you're saved. It's to keep us straightened. God says that those whom he loves, he chastens. That's Old Testament and New Testament, by the way. And because he loves you, he takes you to the woodshed sometimes, gets out the two before, and puts you across his lap. Sometimes you feel it's being beaten around the back of your head, never mind around your backside. But that's what he does. But he does it because he loves us. And the scriptures also tells he does not do it as you and I would do it over a child who's behaving badly and maybe out of our own anger to try and get the child to behave whatever way we want or to, to be cruel or callous. And the Bible says he does it because he loves us and out of no pleasure of his own but for our good and benefit. So rejoice when you're chastened in the spirit. Rejoice when you're feeling convicted Because if you weren't, we'd be in a worse state. You'd be in a worse state. Notice this. Our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if you noticed yesterday in the news, there was a house caught fire in Belfast. Four houses in no time went up in smoke. Fire catches. Fire burns. But you know, fire has a purifying element about it. And when God's fire comes in glory in a meeting, praise the Lord. But when God's fire comes in wrath, it's the fear of the Lord. I want to show you something. Whenever we're looking here at Numbers chapter 11, the Lord is displeased at Israel and he's always listening to them, never satisfied no matter how much he gives to them, no matter how much he lays before them. And here's the things, brothers and sisters, we find in life, no matter how much you try to please people, you'll never please them all. So please the Lord. Put him first. And then the Lord can deal with those. And the people complained and it displeased the Lord. The idea was they went into a stupor. They didn't want to come out of it. The Lord says, I love you. I'm blessing you. I'm giving to you. Didn't want to know. They put the blinkers on like a horse with blinkers on. They didn't want to know, and the Lord was displeased with them. Says so they. The Lord heard it, and His anger was kindled. A fire was starting. You see, in every assembly, you can get fire starters. What fire are you starting, but? fire of blessing or the fire of God's anger it's chastening chastening fire and so the Lord heard it and the, fire, uh, the Lord's anger was kindled among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp, do you know where the uttermost parts of the camp were, those that were furthest away from the centre where the tabernacle was Those who were happy to live out on the periphery and not wanting to be in the center where God's glory would come. Those who were happy to carry on their life and claim themselves as a child of God, but don't lay responsibility on me. And God says, with you, I'm going to send a fire. All those who were in the center, the center were those camping close to the tabernacle. The center were those who would see the glory come down under that, under that badger skin tent, and, and that 's all it was, but it was his glory. You see, it doesn 't matter if a building is made an ornate a nice little building like this or whether it 's a magnificent building or whether it 's a tent or tin hut. An open field. God's glory is what we look for. It's not in professionalism. Dear help you if you've had to listen to me singing tonight. It's not in professionalism of singing, but the heart before God of those who want to worship. God's looking for the heart who want to worship in return, who want to serve Him with all of their heart and be undeterred from that. God's looking for those who'll come closer. And closer to his presence. For see on the periphery, that's where the danger is. You know those Christians who set their foot on every other or so many Sundays and they disappear again? You know those Christians who maybe haven't prayed for a, a week or two or three do you know those Christians who don't want to get involved because it, it demands responsibility and their life's too busy? See, on the outside, that's where the chiselling fire would be. But here was consuming. That's why we need to be close to the presence of God. So we're told here in verse 2, and the people cried unto Moses, and Moses prayed unto the Lord, and the fire was quenched. Brothers and sisters, there's a ministry for you. Intercessory prayer. Somebody is going through a terrible time. Intercede for them. The church would go through a rocky phase. Go intercede for it. Start a fire. Kindle the love of God. Kindle the fire of God in the house of God. Kindle the fire of God on that person's heart who's maybe hurt you. And say, Lord, I'm praying for them because you love them. Kindle that sort of fire. But don't be kindling a fire that would destroy. But a fire to warm. A fire to burn passionate. We're going to look at different fires here in a moment. Another thing is we need not man's fire, but God's fire. Holy fire. Notice what it says here. Moses prayed unto the Lord, and the fire was quenched. You see the people on the periphery, the outskirts of the camp, the outside of it, and they're, they're nearly tormented what's going on here? We don't understand this. An intercessory prayer held back the judgment of God. Do you know you in your home among unsaved loved ones, you in your workplace among unsaved work college, you wherever you are, God will bless that place because of you. Like he blessed the house of Pharaoh for Joseph was in it. Pharaoh's house wasn't blessed because it was a great empire. It was blessed because Joseph was there. Nebuchadnezzar's empire, enlarged, enriched and was blessed because Daniel came in. And Daniel, we're told, had an excellent spirit. It's the heart before God, the excellent spirit where God says, I'll use him, i lose use her. I use this one. I use that one. But those with the murmuring, complaining heart, who's never pleasable, God says, "I'm unhappy with you." We're told then in verse three, and He called the name of the place Taberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Here's another thing to note. God's fire will always leave its mark. God's fire will always be written in history. Real fire. Throughout this Bible, there's judgments of fire and there's blessings of God's fire. And both are written down. Throughout the church history, we think of the Pentecostal flame like George Jeffreys and Stephen Jeffreys. We think of the early apostolic movement. We think of all that flame and fire and passion that left its mark of the fire of God in men and women's hearts. See, God's fire will leave its mark and God's fire will make a difference. God's fire always Makes a difference. The place tabura because the fire of the Lord burnt among them, that's what it simply means, just burning. So that's why we're calling this burning, tempting, the graves of lust. Burning, tempting, on the graves of lust. Turn with me to uh, Le- Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. And listen, let your eye run down to near the end of the chapter, just for time's sake. Verse 22 says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them. And came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. Notice, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Notice here whenever things are done the way God sets them out, there's a marked presence comes to that place. When Aaron does the offerings and then Moses and Aaron go in, the glory comes. And listen, who would see the glory the best? Those who were close around the tabernacle. And if I was living in those days in Israel, I would be doing my best to get a bit of better real estate, put my tent up nearer to the badger skin. Moses, is there any chance of me getting a wee bit closer? Is there any chance of me bringing me and my family and up stakes the tent and coming closer to where the presence of the Lord is? I want to be not on the outskirts. I want to be closer to God. Brothers and sisters, let us think about this. It's time that we says, Lord, I want to be closer to you. I'm not here for all the things that go on. I'm not even here for all the, uh, the the amenities. I'm not here. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just looking for your presence. I just want you. I want to encamp around your presence. Your presence is enough. I want to bring my family. Because Lord, if my family's on the outskirts there, I don't want a consuming fire coming. Let's strive to take ourselves and our families closer to the presence of God. Brothers, sisters, strive for it, no matter what it costs you. If it costs you your job, do it. I guess isn't a boast, but I remember Alison and I, and people, I know people were one or two uh, couldn't understand it. And they were maybe upset or angry with me. But I, also, and I, at one point, before we had children, had a tin of beans to eat between us. That's it. And I was offered work, but I had to work all the hours that would bring me out on Lord's Day when I was going doing Sunday schools or Lord's Day when I was going and speaking at a meeting. And I turned it down. And we lived on a tin of beans. You know why? i just seen him. I didn't care what it would cost me in this life. I didn't care if it was going to cost me and I was going to have to eat a tin of beans between us for the next year or two. And I thought, people said, but Ken, you don't understand. I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. See, within here, it's the calling of God. And if I do that, I'm not going here. It's what it costs us, brothers and sisters, because it's to bring our children, our families, closer to God. Whatever it takes, throw it out. Throw it out. Christ is more than enough. He always meets your need. So we're told here in verse 24, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, and there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat... And when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Notice, there was no fire until there was a sacrifice. There was no fire until there was a sacrifice. See the amount of people I sit beside their bed in a hospital or home or somewhere and they're dying and I'm holding their hand in the way and, and they go out into eternity and I see their eyes turning their head as they go out. See the amount of people I sit with. And you know, the turnaround, though, would say to me this means nothing. Strive for it for years it means absolutely nothing. In the 21st century, we have become so materialistic. We have become, we have, I was praying today and the Lord started showing me things and showing me people. Here's their idol, here's this one, here's that one, and he showed me mine. And that's when I wrote this. I says, Lord, forgive me. Already the Lord would speak to your heart and say, here it is. Here it is. If there's no sacrifice on the altar, the fire won't fall. If there's no sacrifice on the altar, the fire won't come. No sacrifice on the altar. There's no holy consuming fire at all. I'm going to show you what happened when it didn't happen. Look at chapter 10 here. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. These sons, by the way, the first and second sons. um, Nadab means general or, listen... Liberal. Here's a man with a liberal idea. Listen, stay conservative. When I say stay conservative, I mean stay true to the word. Don't try and water it down with some wishy washy, hippie flower power idea to try and butter things up to make everyone feel great and they'll go and burn in hell. brings a repentance out in the gospel. And his name means general or, or generous, joy or, or liberal. And a second son is a by who, and it means he is my father. Who is your father? Notice this. And the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer. And put fire therein. Stop. Take notice here now. From one verse to the next. From chapter 9 and 24. To chapter 10 and verse 1. Basically take chapter 10 out there. The, 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 the writing. It's all one writing. And notice this. It goes from one. Then the Lord shows us another fire. They took it in their censer. And they put fire in it. And put incense thereon. And offered strange fire. Strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. What happened? We have God's fire consuming a sacrifice done as God commands in the way he wills it. Something happened. Was it their liberalness? Was it their lethargy? Was it their laziness? were they consumed with a consumer ideology like we have today. And sooner or later, their their conservative uh, Christianity or their conservative Hebraism seems to disappear where there's no more true worship of of Yahweh. And so they come with a center of what they think is fire. The altars went out. What are we going to do? Because the Lord says when he lights the altar, we have to keep it lit. we have to keep it lit what are we going to do get the sensor, and we'll light it ourselves it was strange fire man's fire brothers and sisters I want to let you know see if you're looking and I'm looking we're looking together whether it's on our own or whether it's in this assembly for the fire of God if we seek earnestly for the fire of God and sacrifice ourselves upon the altars of our own hearts, He will send the fire. We don't need to work it up. We don't need anything but sincerity of heart before God. We I mean need nothing else but Him. And His promises that He would send the fire. Now, notice this verse 2. Here's another fire going out this time. And they weren't out of fire from the Lord. The first time the fire goes out, comes out from the Lord, and the people of Satan fall on their faces and worship. See, that's true. That's true worship. That's true Holy Ghost power and fire. But here, the Lord sends a fire that devoured them and they died before the Lord. This tells me that you and I must be careful with. And I say this to me, and I, I, I check my heart every all the time. I'm saying, Lord, see what I'm telling the people. I'm believing this with all my heart. But Lord, this is what I think about you, and this is the doctrine I'm believing and teaching them about this. And I would sell, and I would pray over it, and I would pray about it, and I would think about it, and I would mull over it because I know I'm going to give an account for everything I teach you. Right. And if every Christian remembers, you're going to give an account to God for what you've done in your life for Him. And I have to remember, I have to give an account for everything I teach you and how I lead this assembly. I will give an account for every single thing. That's why sometimes I would be so passionate about them. Because I know I'm going to stand before God. Some Christians have lost their consciousness of this. Ah. Hypergrace. It's alright. No, it's not. We will all stand and give an account. For the deeds done in this body. Here fire that comes out, and the people see it and they fall on their face and magnify and glorify God. And God is uh, that's the idea of fire. It's not to make you feel good. It's not to make me feel good. It's not for us to go out with our tires pumped up, singing hallelujah, praise the Lord the way up the road. And although it does all of those things, it's not to do that. The fire comes to glorify Him. No other reason. It comes to glorify God. But when man gets puffed up, his flesh takes over, and there's no glory. These men, we're the priests. I know what I'll do. That's it up ourselves. Fire come out and consume them. Now, does your Bible tell you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, on today and forever. Does your Bible tell you that our Father is he with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning? Does he not say, I am the Lord, I change not? Can you see these two fires? And Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12 and 29 and Deuteronomy 4, and 24 tells us our God is a consuming fire. People don't want to hear it anymore. I'm not coming back to your church to hear you preach. Not my church anyway, it's the Lord's church. Does it say anywhere else in the, in the New Testament about the fire of the Lord as it does? We'll look it in a moment. But notice what it says in verse Leviticus 10 and verse 3. Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified, and Aaron held his peace. Now these are Aaron's two sons. These are Aaron's two sons. He's another uh, two boys younger, uh, younger in this, Eleazar, which means God has helped. And if you read about Eleazar too, God actually does because Eliezer behaves himself before God. And God uses him, anoints him and raises him up. And uh, the other son is Ephemel. I don't know where they get his name from because it means uh, coast of palms as in palm trees. But it also means he is better. I don't know why it means that. So his two sons have just been consumed by the Lord and the Lord says basically don't mess about with the things of God. Including myself how many Christians willy nilly as we would call it take for granted have no thought just carry on as if God doesn't exist at times and sure Oh, well, I've said a prayer or I've walked up an aisle or I've put up a harness. I'm not saying I'm against all that. But that's, if, that's the amount of someone's experience sometimes. And they say, oh, well, then I've said a wee prayer, so I'm saved." No. No. You know, salvation comes from the word of God entering the heart and you living it out. That'll be your sanctification. So when Moses said unto Aaron, this is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them. God says, you're in my presence. Behave yourself. Act wisely. Don't get too high up. He says, come before me as I want you to come before me. And so we're told in verse 4, Moses calls Mishael and Elisaphon, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron. In other words, calls their cousins and said unto them, come near and carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So So they went near, carried them and their coats out of the camp as Moses had said. And Moses said unto Aaron and unto Eliezer and unto Ithamar his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people, but lest your brethren, but let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according as the word of Moses. Now, here's something to take note of the anointing oil representing the sanctified person before God, the oil of the Holy Spirit, he says, it's before you. Now, listen, Aaron, you've been marked for greater destiny and things. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. His sons' bodies are carried out by their cousins. I and mean, when his sons' bodies are carried out by their cousins, Moses wouldn't even allow others from the camp of Israel to come in. He got his own family to take him away. Brothers and sisters, don't even let your family have to take you away. Notice this. Your, head, your eye run down to verse 7. And there shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die, For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Do not drink wine or strong drink. Thou and I sons with thee when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation lest ye die. And it shall be a statute forever, oh dear, throughout your generations. Sipping saint, do you hear that? Forever in his presence, anointed with the spirit. And that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. And Moses spake unto Aaron and Eleazar and unto Ethamar, his sons that were left. Take the meat offering that remaineth of the offerings in the Lord made by fire and eat it without leaven beside this altar for it is most holy. Now, Just for time's sake. Just for time's sake. I want you to look at a couple of things with me. At fire, because I could do weeks on this. I've only started on two of my scriptures. I have a page on them. I want you to look at this. For example, does fire carry into the New Testament God in judgment? And it has to be said, yes, yes, and a hundred times, yes. First Corinthians chapter 3. We actually read this not too many weeks ago. First Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 13. First of all, your, your works will be tried before God. every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work what sword it is and if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved so as by fire so you're saved it's not for your salvation you're saved but it's your reward your reward as a Christian, as a believer. We'll not turn to it, but if you want to mark it, you can read it later, read Revelation chapter 1, for in verse 14 we're told that the vision that John has of the Lord Jesus, he has eyes like flame of fire. Given the idea that he sees all, knows all, pierces all, every thought and intent of every heart. And by that fire we will be a judge before him. Now, when I say judge, I don't mean judged as the sinner is judged. Okay. Second Thessalonians, please. Second Thessalonians. And we'll just read a few verses here of this one too. Um, second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse seven. Here is the second coming of the Lord. And you, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints And to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. You know, when the Lord returns, there's flaming fire for the sinner. The unconverted. But those of us who love him are saved. The fire will not burn us. It will not rest upon us. Okay. Go with me just how fire burns even among us as people today and those who are not as people, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, please.. Go to Proverbs chapter 16, just for one little verse. Let me just get a drink while you're turning. One little verse, verse 27. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Here's the fire of man again. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. See the term there, an ungodly man diggeth up evil. It actually can be termed, he labours. In other words, he goes out of his way. She goes out of her way. They labour to do wrong. To speak evil. To hurt. To damage. It's ungodly. And then it says, and in his lips there is a burning fire if you go with me to James chapter 3 Old Testament to New <clears throat> excuse my voice James chapter 3 and just one verse again for time so you can read these chapters at your leisure when you go home and for devotional Um, I tell you what, let's go, let's let's read a couple of verses. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. And setteth on fire the course of nature, and the set on fire of hell. Wow. That's New Testament stuff. Okay. Go to Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Verse 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Now when we're looking at this these burning coals the idea is here man's fire will bring God's fire of wrath. And the fire that man can bring while it's at home, whether it's at work whether it's in the assembly, whatever we can either call upon God look I call upon God for his fire to fall. We sing, they were gathered in an upper chamber, let the fire fall, let the Pentecostal fire descend. And, and that's what we want. We want the Pentecostal fire to descend. But beware, brothers and sisters, because sometimes when we're calling for God's fire to, to fall, he might just send one you're not expecting. And he might burn up some chaff. He might burn up some dross. He might refine and it hurts. They might chastise with the fire. They might consume with it. Because holiness of God is exactly that. Holy. Okay, we're coming to a close. Jeremiah chapter 20. So we ask ourselves as we're looking this up, what fire am I looking for? What fire are we calling for? What fire am I? Am I stoking a fire or am I looking for God to light it? When God lights a fire, remember, he leaves his mark every time. Do you see when God's fire falls on a man or a woman, that is when the Holy Ghost comes upon them in passionate fire, that man and woman are never the same. You can't be. God's fire came down on a mountain and it trembled. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. And if God's fire comes into a meeting or God's fire comes in upon a person or wherever they are, they're never going to be the same again. The meeting will be marked. It will be different. God will leave his mark. And you'll know it. Likewise, when God's fire comes out like it did on the two sons of Aaron, it leaves a mark for others to see. I notice this. Jeremiah 20, let your eye run down to verse, verse 9. Then said I, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart, as a fire, burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing him. And I could not stay. It means he couldn't hold it. It's not he couldn't stay. He went somewhere. It means he couldn't hold it. What was Jeremiah saying? They were telling Jeremiah, "Listen, Jeremiah. See this God you're talking about that you serve? Do you see this God that you say is living and great? Do you see this God you're saying what telling us how to live our lives and what to do?" He says, "You, you better stop. You better shut up and not talk about these things. We don't want to hear it anymore." Tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Tell us there's going to be great victory in battle when there wasn't because they weren't right. Tell us your social gospel and Tell us how to grow in the emergent church and the ecumenizing. Because outside of that, if we don't all gather together and huddle in a bunch and say, look, we're all Christians and let's all go around the white picket fence and ding, ding, ring a bell and our Bible under our arm, skip into, into our church on a Sunday morning and let's all play happy families and there's no word. He says, we're all right like that. Let's go through the rituals and the ceremony. And let's play church. And let's enter the doors and go home again. He says, We're all right like that. But Jeremiah, don't you dare come here and lay the word on us. Because we don't like that. Actually he threw him in a pit. Anyhow, Jeremiah feels that down. And he says in verse seven, 7, O Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived. Thou art a stranger. Or thou art stronger than I and has prevailed I am in derision daily everyone mocketh me brothers and sisters you and I need to realise we're coming in an age now where people are mocking us we need the fire of God Amen. see programs I mean and it can be helpful and all those things programs are not in the bible the fire of God is in the Bible. Worship in the Word. It's all the had. They didn't have mothers and babies and toddlers club and picnics and all that sort of stuff. Not normal, that. Not normal for community. They didn't have their, their strawberry teas. Nothing wrong with that. It was the fire of God and the word of God. May this church if we have strayed, Lord, get us back to the word. It's the word. As individuals and as people get us back to the word. And this is why after being told to be silenced, verse 8, For since I speak, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me. And the derision daily, in other words, they laughed, they threw him in a pit, they'd done everything with him. Ah, there's Jeremiah, the prophet of God, and he's, that's, that's a foolish man. and says, that's it. <laughs> Listen, wait, I tell you, so nearly every Sunday night when I go home, I say, that's it, Lord, I'm not preaching anymore. I examine myself up to about four in the morning. You examine yourself. What you've taught, what you've said. Did I say it wrong? Did I come across wrong? What was it like? And you're going through it over and over and over. And then when you get a couple of hours sleep, you're back up and it starts all over again. I say, Lord, I'm not preaching anymore. I stopped preaching one time for 10 months. I'll tell you. I said, I'm not doing this. I was coming against it left, right and center. I'm not doing it anymore. Ten months, and this next verse that we read out—that's why I'm back preaching. <laughs> First nine. Then said I, said I. Then I said I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart. Did you get that, brother and sister? Get his word in your heart, not in your mind, in your heart. For with the heart, man believeth on their righteousness. If it's in the heart, you'll live it. If it's in the heart, you'll love it. And if it's in the heart, you'll release it. His word was in my heart. I could say it a hundred times the way I feel at the moment. His word was in my heart. His word was in my heart. His word. Not Jeremiah's word. Not somebody else's word. His word was in my heart. Mine. And after 10 months I was tormented. And also says, can I wish you'd hurry up and go preaching again. You're never happy when you're not. I can't do much else outside it. That's all I know. I don't have any hobbies. I don't none in fact Alison and I were talking the other week about that and she looked at me and says might you try and do something outside of you know you're studying and preaching in, in the church and I says what would I do I don't know what else to do I honestly don't I'm stuck you know? but I'm happy being stuck like that I don't have any hobbies don't go to these fancy concerts or whatever and I don't have sports and I don't I don't know. What what, what do you do? (laughs) His word is in my heart. I live it. Love it. Eat it. Get up in the morning, think about it. Go to bed with it on my mind. Don't want to change it either. Notice this. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was where he was forbearing and I could not stay. It was so much fire in him with the word of God. He went, ah, sure, what does it matter what anybody thinks? I'm just going to tell you the word of the Lord. What does it matter what anybody thinks about your brother? What does it matter what anybody thinks about your sister? What does it matter who says what or who does what? If you have the word of God in your heart, you can face giants, conquer mountains, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's the word of God in my heart and in yours. So I said the other week, the other day, I can't remember when it was, see if you don't know the word, you don't know him. I'm not saying you need to know everything, but what I mean is if you don't know and start learning him and reading the word, you don't know him. And if you don 't know him and you don 't know the word, you don 't know how to worship him because you don 't know who you 're worshiping you're like you 're like the idol and it 's like the idol in, in Athens, an idol to the unknown god so let 's worship in case we left one out here 's one though just in case we 've left a god out and he 's angry with us the word, and if you can 't study the word and you 're not a great reader of the word, then get it in your car. And get it on your headphones or get it on your you know, things. iPod, your iPod pod and <laughs> lily pods. <and laughs> get it on yeah. those. I'm doing that. I don't even know what they are. You're phoning. Hear, here, there's thousands of sermons out there from good preachers. Get them on solid stuff and start listening to it and listening to it and listening to it and build up your faith and get His word in your heart. You'll be like a firebrand all over our place. You can't help it. I think sometimes of Daniel chapter 3 with the three Hebrew children in the fire. When Nebuchadnezzar says, did I not throw three in the fire? But look, the former's like unto the fourth, like unto the Son of God. Lord sent the angel of his presence into that fire. Revelation 20 tells us of the lake of fire. And those who are not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. But go to Amos chapter 4 for our very last reading or the very last verse I should say. Our very last verse. Amos chapter 4. And here's the thing. I'm away the wrong way myself. Amos chapter 4 and verse 11. This is you, this is I. Here's what the Lord says. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and ye were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Wow. I've plucked you out from a burning fire. Don't ignore me. Don't ignore me. Brothers and sisters, to me, or to you, that might seem solemn, but to me, I rejoice in it because I know then I'm his child. The Spirit witnesses to his word that you're his children. When you hear these things and you say, Lord, I want to turn to you and love you. And when we don't, then we realize then you never knew him. God bless His Word. I never been got to the, the other two, tempting, and I'll do them some other time. But the Lord bless you.